You're listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode 151, side A. That's 151, just like the rum. Holy Rob, crap, I need to go get my rum. Rob, how drunk are you? Do it. is the Gimme 5 Podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. This is a side episode, which means within 15 minutes, Rob is going to be fucked up. This Did you say this is a side episode? episode? A side A. Yeah, okay. You said side episode. You did say side episode. Greg's been drinking the rum. Nah, just coffee been with... Drinking rum. something. Just coffee with pumpkin syrup in it while wearing my Uggs. Disgusting delicious anyway i love that commercial we talk about pop culture we talk about commercials that i'm not sure what he's talking about entertainment news movies books maybe even some hot dogs and uh florida we talk about that my name my name is reverend slick and i am joined by my top earner lexus bling it's a pimp named slick back you gotta and, say the whole thing. And her intern, Roxy Diamond. You can also call me Sally Ann. I found the um, pimp name generator, in case you didn't figure that out. <laughs> this week, uh, this week we are going to talk about Babysitter Killer Queen. We are going to talk about Hashtag Alive, or Alive, depending on what you want to call it. And I think that's it, unless you guys have other things to add in there. I have something that I'll add to news. Okay, so we're going to talk a little about some other stuff. It's going to be cool if you are a uh, horror fan or a Halloween fan or a uh, Halloween Horror Nights fan. You might want to stick around. And just forewarning, you're going to want to check out our side B episode, which is going to be released on Monday about Cherry 2000. I mean, if you want. It's a movie that happened. It the thing yeah it okay thing. yeah anyway that's about it excellent so guys this oh all right never mind this is a review show thank you rob and there will probably be spoilers we will try to avoid any major twists so if we're talking about something you haven't seen read or listened to yet then use your own discretion it's all right. Greg hadn't written in who was going to do that yet. Well, normally, normally the guy who goes next week, which is you, is it not? Is at the end doing the contact info and stuff and tells us what we're going to do next week. So that's why I thought I was the spoiler. I never remember. So excellent. what do we have for news, gentlemen? You know what? Since I'm going to start it off on a sad note. I guess I'll go ahead and go Oh, my first. God. Why you got to bring us down, Jimmy? Because this is something very uh, near and dear to my heart. My favorite tag team of all time. One of the members, Joe Laurinaitis, has passed away. He is Road Warrior Animal. 
of the legendary Legion of Doom. Yes, I saw that news. Maybe. Wasn't he the surviving member? Didn't Hawk already pass away? Hawk yep. passed away of a heart attack um, several years ago. Several years ago, 2003, um, Animal passed away just today. Very, very sad to see that. Loved watching those guys growing up. I would say you should play their intro music, but I don't know that that would be appropriate for talking about his passing. The all water no, rush happening in, in heaven right now. The like the, the gates oh. are going to burst open and there'll be like fog. And, like, and, then, and rush. <laughs> and and Hawk is standing there waiting for him, giving him a bro five as he walks yep. through the gates. Yeah. Yep. And my brother is losing his fucking marbles right now. Hell's yeah! I I so. saw uh, a bunch of stories. About him when this happened, when I saw this, when I saw about the news. his brother, no, about about uh, animal, because oh. he he had a very good he had a very good habit of um, if he saw kid kids in the crowd that were um, lesser abled, he would bring them backstage to meet all of the wrestlers. So there was a, there was a guy who was now an oh, adult. That's awesome. There was a guy who was now an adult and said that when he was he was a kid. Um, well, he was in a wheelchair still, but he was also in a, in a wheelchair as a kid. And that that animal brought him back, and he still remembers it to this day, like as one of his best moments as a child. So I saw that, I was like, "Wow, that's such a cool story." And it's like you always wonder about those kids that you know, w- w- you know, fifteen years ago, and then pe- it's one cool moment. Like, does it really affect them? And it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I didn't know that he did that. That's that's kind of cool. I like that. So, yeah, pretty, pretty unfortunate. 60 years old, gone too soon. Um, to bring things up a notch, hopefully, a data miner, I guess you could say, uh, a, a Twitter user by the name of MooseTuber. Um, data miner's daughter? Sure. Has found 48 zombie character models. In Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm. Now, the person I named a second ago actually found some um, audio files or something like that. But for Red Dead Guide's YouTube channel, you can check these 48 zombie character models out. Now, Red Dead Redemption had a huge hit with Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmare. It was a hell of a lot of fun to play, but a bunch speculation for some kind of zombie mode in Red Dead Redemption 2, whether it is part of a special event gearing up for the Halloween season, or if it will be a new mode online or offline. We have yet to see, but they are there and the dead are coming to the West in Red Dead Redemption. Mm. So cannot wait for that. Looking for a reason to get back into that game. Speaking of zombie models, Greg, I saw the other day that um, they've actually released a six-inch toy line of Deceased. Four characters from DC that are in their zombie. Deceased was fun. They're they're in their uh, zombie form or whatever. So you've got like Batman, Aquaman, um, two others. I want to say Superman's one of them. Hmm. Yeah, but, I really have to read that. I have not had a chance. I'm just thinking about getting a collected edition of it. Um, we're we're gonna take you on a roller coaster ride 
on this podcast where Jimmy started off down and then went up, and now we're going back down. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ron Cobb. Do we know this name? Ron I do Cobb. not. Jimmy, do you know the name? Is he the okay. anchor man? Well, I think we might have done it again. Ron Cobb is the, uh, he is a set designer. He is a vehicle designer, weapon designer, et cetera, et cetera. He designed the Nostromo, both inside and outside, mm. the alien ship. Okay. Uh, he also designed Conan's weapons, Rob, murderer. Mm. And Technically, that- Conan wasn't in that movie. <laughs> I'll, I'll let that, I was actually waiting for Correct. that. Correct. And sets. Calador. Yeah, that was Calador, in quotes. Uh, and the sets from, from Conan, uh, he designed a lot of the stuff from the Abyss. He designed the DeLorean from Back to the Future, the mm. last Starfighter ships. Uh, he has passed. I mean, he also lived a very long, full life. Uh, just one little quick fun quote was uh, Spielberg was producing Back to the Future and brought Cobb to the set because he had been friends with um, Cobb worked on uh, uh, Close Encounters, I think. Uh, anyway, he asked him, how would you make a DeLorean into a time machine? And he was the one that said, you got to make it look homemade as though Doc Brown just went to like Radio Shack and bought pieces and glued them on. And that's ended up, you know, was one of the charms of the movie. So he passed away nice. uh, earlier this week. Not so nice. Yes. Um, but again, lived a very full life. He was, I, I did not actually write down how old he was, but I think, I believe in his 80s, in his 80s. Ah, okay. Uh, but, you know, because of that down up thing, I'm going to give you one last piece of news. And this is not related to pop culture at all, but it made me crack up. Uh, the co-founder of Costco. You know, what is one of the, the best? <laughs> I saw this. I saw this. Go ahead. I did not. It. Yeah, go one ahead. Of the, one of the uh, great. best treats at Costco is the really cheap pizza and hot dogs that they have there. Oh. Well, yes. the co-founder of Costco, of course, is, is not the CEO of Costco. And the CEO was like, man, we take a beating on this $1.50 uh, hot dog deal where you get a hot dog and a soda for a buck fifty, And the co-founder told the CEO, I will actually kill you if you try to change that price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Stand yeah. up for that shit. I Hell saw yeah. a former student of ours post this on Facebook. I saw a lot of people posting this on Facebook today uh, saying that this was a thing that got him through his time at the university that we worked at because it was a cheap meal. It was a giant ass hot dog mm-hmm. and a soda. I would go with you on break and full meal I, buck fifty. Oh yeah. So um that's amazing. Look, there's just some things just don't mess with it. Yeah, the- yeah you could probably raise it to like a dollar seventy five. And people be like, oh, You okay, will get you starts. will get killed for that suggestion. But yeah. So, so when they, I'm not here next week, it's uh. Let's see. I'm the, not let's, saying they should. The uh, let's see. Uh, Costco co-founder Jim Senegal. He was the former CEO. Of a, okay, here's the deal. So the hot dog, the twenty ounce soda, is dollar fifty. It has been since 1984. Has not changed. Uh, and he said basically we're taking a beating on this, and uh, Jim Senegal, the co-founder and former CEO. Said, if you raise the price of the fucking hot dog, I will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> that's the exact quote. Love it. That is excellent. I love this. 
figure it out. Uh, they just so you could know the numbers behind this, they sold about 151 million hot dogs in 2019 to a tune of roughly 226.5 million dollars. Mm, yeah, not yeah. a huge, not a huge profit there. That's a lot of damn hot dogs, but that just it made yeah. me laugh. It, it's not just really what we usually talk about on our show, uh, but yeah, good for you. Yeah, I will effing kill you. <laughs> go fight the good battles. That's the most down to earth a CEO or a, a obviously a millionaire slash billionaire has ever f- like felt to me. Like I've never been on that. Like I, I couldn't only imagine what people like that how they live. But that was like I understand. So Rob, I get, I get you. Yes, Rob, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand you the wheel. I think I think I'm I'm tapped out on news. Jimmy is tapped does, out on news. Does that make me Jesus? Yes, take the wheel. Sure. But I am very excited. Just to for hear. tonight. Yes, I'm very excited. So to hear about what I you had the say. opportunity this past weekend to go to Universal Studios and check out what people have started calling their HHN Light or Halloween Horror Nights esque event. And what they did was they've put together two haunted houses. That they are putting, that they are having open during the day at the park for you to walk through. Now, one of the things to take note of is that they're running these haunted houses kind of like Star Wars Land runs Rise of the Resistance. It is all virtual queue, and the virtual queue opens up at 9 a.m., I think. When the, like just after the park opens, it's either 9 or 10. But just after the park opens, um, they open up the virtual queue and you have to be on the app trying to get into the virtual queue and you just sign up for it. Now, the difference between Universal and Disney is that in, at Universal, they don't they don't have the the um, magic band. So all that you're doing is you're reserving it on yours and you can reserve it for the number in your party. But what that also means is that everyone in your party can search for it as well. So if you've got four people in your party, you can get four entrances into the house with everybody searching at the same time. Hmm. Um, they have two haunted houses available. You have, to, you have to get into the virtual queue for each one. So you can't just get like one and get both of them. So that's that's how it splits up like that. You have to reserve a time for each house. And the two houses that they currently have are Revenge of the Tooth Fairy, which basically explores the story of what happens when a kid says no to the Tooth Fairy and decides to keep his tooth. And the Tooth Fairy does not take kindly to not being able to perform their job. Those fairy folk are kind of ornery. And stuff goes really bad really quick. So the haunted house itself is okay. I mean, it of the two, it is not my favorite one there. It it's in. I mean, it's a haunted house. I enjoyed it. the The set design has almost like a a um, what's the best way to describe it? Like one of those fireside story intros to a movie. You know, where they're showing like the black and white pages flipping. And uh, okay. and like and like, just a portion of the page is animated, and it like slides at you or whatever. But it's not it's not actually animated. It's just that cut out, and they just kind of like bring it forward at you. It's it's okay. it's a it's a neat aesthetic. I I do like it. 
that goes away after like the first like two or three rooms and then you're left with a uh, standard haunted house. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot more along the lines of like the Nightingale house. If you remember that one where like every scare in the house was the Nightingales, like all the scare actors were the Nightingales. So there wasn't like a whole lot of variation in what the scare actors were, were wearing or what they looked like. Um, Did they look all like messed up tooth fairies? They, they looked like, like, devilish imps basically i mean they were all bald they had like the black eyes and like blood coming out of their fanged mouths and the pointy ears and everything so um one of the things that they did do for these haunted houses is they put plexiglass over the boo holes so i keep plexiglass over my boo holes as well i know you do yeah i nailed it there actually um but what that does is that prevents the actor from being able to reach out and like impede your progress or whatever, which is, which is one of the ways that they used to startle you in the past is, you know, they would reach out and you'd turn around and their hand would be there and be like, Oh my God. So they can't do that anymore, but it also prevents, it also prevents them from getting punched, which is one of the things that happened quite frequently at Halloween horror nights, which is just disgusting. I mean, if you can't stand being scared and your reaction is to punch people in the face, you know what? Stay the fuck home. Don't come to the event and start punching employees because they did what they were supposed to do. You dick. Um, But what that also does is it also announces where they are. So like if you see a plexiglass, a plexiglass sheet covering a hole, guess what? There's going to be a scare actor there. So it kind of takes away from it in that aspect. I'll be glad when they're gone. Um, I would like to see them be able to protect the employees, you know, but it, it does detract from the house a little bit because eventually you get to the point where you're, where you notice the plexiglass and you know that there's going to be somebody there. So that's, that's the first house. Like I said, I like, are, are there it. It wasn't te- my one favorite. other thing? Are there teeth everywhere? Like, actually, like no, it. I didn't really see, they, they did have a bunch of, of mannequins and they did have one or two people in in uh like masks where you know they had like the dentist the the dental equipment in their mouth like exposing their teeth their cheeks are ripped open and and whatnot but for the most part all of the scare actors were the were the fairies okay that's the first house the second house is was was in fact my favorite we went through it twice and it's the bride of frankenstein and the way the house starts off is, and, and I actually saw it the first time through, because I think with, with you and I going so many times, we've actually learned to look for the cohesive storyline throughout the house. Am I correct, Greg? Yeah. You you, yes. you notice that as well? Yeah, like and, it starts off in a movie theater, then you end up in the movie, or it starts off, you know, as right. you well, get checked in into the beginning the of this house, In the beginning of this house, you walk past, they have one of those um, video display screens, but it's behind a wall where you're like looking through a hole. And you see the the Frankenstein castle explode. Okay. So then the first room that you walk into, you've got the bride up on top of this pedestal, and she's trying to lift off lift this uh this giant column that has fallen across the walkway. You're walking through like this narrow trench or whatever, and she's up on one side and the column was on the other side, and it kind of fell over across the trench. And she's trying to lift up the, the column and she's screaming, No. And then she slams the column down because she can't lift it. And that's when you notice that Frank is underneath the column. So Frank was crushed by the column and Frank is dead. 
So then the the continuing story through this thing is the bride actually starting to harvest and learn from Dr. Frankenstein about how to rebuild Frankenstein. So cool. you see you see her harvesting blood from the brides of Dracula. She talks about going down to the village to harvest body parts from the villagers to rebuild Frankenstein. And it's it's a it's a neat story. I like it. It's it's a it's got a good set design. At, at the end, there, there's actually a line that she keeps repeating that the mate will have her monster and the monster will have his mate. And it's like, oh, that's neat. I like that. And, you know, movie. so she. It, yeah. And she she basically rebuilds Frankenstein. And it's it, it that the house just kind of goes through that. I, I really like the house. It was a really good design. And the story was much more cohesive through through that house than the Revenge of the Tooth Fairy House, which is, I think, why I liked the Bride House better. Now, all of that being said, there's, I don't know if it's been confirmed yet or not. I haven't checked any news releases or anything, but I heard a rumor that they may be extending the houses at Universal Studios. They have. And they might be adding two more. So there might be a total of four houses for you to kind of wander through. Universal Orlando announced on social media Tuesday that it's extending its Halloween scares uh, to September 26th, 27th, and October 3rd through November 1st. Hmm. Okay. Did they did they announce anything about new houses? Uh, two terrifying houses, the Scarecrow stock... Um, they did, have a scaven- they did have a scavenger hunt where you would go and get stamps at like all of, all of the locations or whatever. And at the end, you could turn in your stamped map for a bag of candy, basically. You would go up to, the, uh, to one of the sugar shops or whatever, turn in your map, and they would give you a bag of candy. Uh, this, this article is from yesterday, and okay. it does not say anything about any other houses. But it was... <sighs> That was from uh, Click Orlando, which is one of the TV stations around here. Okay. They may but, still add them. We don't know. But I had heard a rumor that there might be more houses. Very cool. I miss the smell of fog. Mm-hmm. And I will be go. I think I'm going again this weekend. So I'll let you know if there's anything else there on this weekend. Just keep your hands out of those boo holes. <laughs> Damn right. Don't be a dick. Don't touch so, the boo hole. Yeah. Speaking of people doing horrible things, Greg. I, you know, I, I didn't find anything terrible this week. Okay, I've, everything I found was too terrible and very derivative of what we've been doing the past couple weeks. So I wanted to find something a little good about Florida. I needed some positivity in my life. It's been a uh, terrible week. So, terrible couple weeks. So I wanted some positive Florida news. And, like, every story was about some a-hole, like, smacking some kid in a face with a Trump flag or some bullshit like mm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wanted to find something good. And I found something that this story, I've, I am actually surprised this wasn't our listener and friend Kerwin. But a um, Florida man bought a ghost town and decided to go there 
to ride out the uh, the coronavirus because he was like, he owns this ghost town. And he's like, well, I have to uh, social distance. So why not go to this abandoned mining town in, uh, where is this? Uh, in uh, the in the Calif- in the Rockies in California, uh, it's called Cerro Gordo. So he bought this thing, and he decided to go there back in March. And nothing bad has happened. He's basically living alone in an old West mining town with a bunch of goats. It's him. All right, five it's a baby- goat town. Yes, it's a goat town. Uh, there are five baby boar mm. goats and seven kittens in the California. Mm. Well, Rocky that Mountains. makes it a kitten town, actually. The kittens Kitten. outnumber both the man and the goats. Yep. Got it. True. Got it all wrong. Got it labeled yeah. all wrong. So kitten that sounds town. pretty dope. Yeah, it actually it, and you know, so while everyone out back in March was learning how to make like sourdough bread and stuff, he was, uh, you know, wandering around the mountains taking pictures of like mountain animals and learning about constellations and exploring abandoned mine shafts, and it didn't go terribly wrong. So he's a smart Florida man. He uh, he bought the ghost town back in the summer you. of. Yeah, he bought the ghost town back in the summer of 2018 uh, with with some investors, and he they wanted to basically turn it into just a fun travel destination where you could you know live in a ghost town or go visit a ghost town, and it's and people would give tours and talk about the history. Uh, well, the people that were giving the tours are like, yeah, we are not doing this right now while while the uh, you know COVID thing is going on. We're going to go be around people, so he decided to go out there when he was a kid it says that he liked to basically explore uh-huh. and when he was a baby goat yes when he yes when he was a baby goat he used to run around in in uh, cowboy boots and he would and he just bought like land in a bunch of different places he's not very he old bought land now. when he was a kid yeah like a baby when he was 12 he actually bought he bought an acre of land in kansas damn and he kind of kind of kept that going um but uh i'm thinking his family was pretty well off if you look at him, he looks like uh, just like redheaded dude with a big bushy beard, and you know, yeah, that's about it. Apparently, it was very cold there. There's just a lot of stuff. Like the pictures are cool as hell because it's like it's restored slightly, but like there's a there's a bar or a, what do they call it? A saloon. There's he's living in like a mine shaft, like a cave underground. So there's a picture of him sitting on this like couch with like in this cave with like wooden things. Uh, the story was from the Tampa Bay times. Uh, so yeah, this is, he's cool. Uh, he did find a thousand VHS tapes from the 1980s and 1990s. So he's living in the dream. He's living the, this podcast. Basically. I bet he's watching cherry 2000 in a cave. Uh, he's found if treasure. He can, if he can find a VCR, this looks fucking amazing. Oh, you found the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he found uh, a suitcase full of old coins and uh, see a uh, century old, so over a hundred years old, with letters, guns, and bullets from a hundred years ago. Cool as hell. Mm. I want to go to this ghost town, goat town, kitten town. But his name is Brent Underwood, and he is uh, living his best ghost town life. You go, Florida man. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm, there's no way that. Upon hearing this, that Kerwin isn't just going to pack up his things. And We've had that conversation several times. He's going to buy a ghost town. I will help Kerwin buy a ghost town. We are now launching a GoFundMe for Kerwin's buying a ghost town. As long as we can visit. Yep. 
So that is my Florida man story of the week. Now, if you are new to the show Mm -hmm. and you're like, who the hell is this Kerwin dude? Well, Kerwin uh, is part of our patron only discord chat. And if you want to be part of this discord chat and possibly get invited to Kerwin's magical Kerwindigo's magical ghost town, uh, just $5 to support the show and to get all of these cool invites, as well as be able to know the movies we're going to talk about before we do it and to know about the top five list and maybe even pick your own five, pop, bleh, bleh, that. top five list. <laughs> Greg, Greg turned into the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> <laughs> so if uh, you want access to videos of Greg as the Tasmanian devil. Yeah. Or that cat from Bloom County. Uh, you can, or oh yeah, we can also uh, perhaps make a top five list about you, in which I promise not to turn into the Tasmanian devil when talking about the top five things that we want to talk about. Unless about. you're into that shit. Yeah, we'll do anything for $5. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, check us out. Patreon.com slash give me five podcast. Patron only episodes mm. coming very soon. Dun, dun, dun. There's that too. I think that takes us right in to our first topic, the Babysitter Killer Queen. And I think you've seen this, but I'm not sure if Rob has. No, Rob has not seen it. And I can speak for him because I know the movie was released on September 10th of this year. It's directed by Mick G. It stars Judah Lewis, Samra Weaving, Jenna Ortega, Emily Allen Lind. Robbie Amell, Bella Thorne, Hannah May Lee, and Ken Marino. Man, every he, time Ken Marino shows up in anything, he just raises that comedy value just a little bit. He really does. Uh, of course, he... Uh, the first thing I can remember seeing him in was The State. Yes. Where he played Louie, who would at the most inappropriate times say, I want to dip my balls in it. Basically, Rob before Louis, Rob was Rob. Louie, Louie. The synopsis of this film, two years after Cole survived a satanic blood cult, he's living another nightmare, high school, and the demons from his past are still making his life a living hell. I like how I, you took took up the question mark in the middle of that synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought this movie was hilarious. No, it is a sequel. So, you're probably going to be pretty lost if you didn't see Babysitter, which is a Netflix exclusive that we talked about when it came out. So you yeah, can... I went back. Go ahead. I went mm-hmm. back to try to find what I had said about it, because I remember liking it back when we talked about it. Um, Mick G was never my favorite director. Uh, he, I feel right. like he ruined everything, uh, Terminator Salvation, and not that I was a huge fan of Charlie's Angels, full, Which, like, the, the first one, but he did Full Throttle, but there was, he did a bunch of stuff. There and I always so thought that there was so many Terminator references in this movie. Yeah, true. And I always thought that McGee would take, I don't know, he would take things too far in a lot of his movies without having, and try to make everything very stylized without actually having the skill to do it. But when it hit the babysitter, Mm-hmm. that actually became a positive 
because this movie was made for fun. It was made out of love. You could tell that everyone in the movie was having a great time being crazy. And it really worked for, for his style. So when the second one came out, I was excited about it. And then I went back and looked and I was, you know, was like, Oh yeah, I really enjoyed the first one and gave, you know, the director the credit where it was due and where he wrote uh, the first one as well. So I was very excited to see this um, little bit of, uh, you know, comedic slaughter fest where nothing really matters. You know, people kind of, Oh, he just cut my arm off. (laughs) Like, just that kind of kind of horror. Yeah, it was very arm gets cut off, and then it was like, "Well, fine, I'm going to take this away from you too," and then cut off the other arm. Yeah, where people they don't react how you would expect. Yeah, um, they they react in a, a very comedic way to certain things happening, whether it's a, a throat getting slashed where. You don't just get a throat slash in this movie. You get a hook to the to the neck projectile. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not a uh, a complete gore fest. It's it's not a you know complete uh, Italian giotto film or anything like that. It's it's funny. Um, the the delivery of these lines, the way it was written is how I kind of wish Kevin Smith dialogue would be. It's where the proper evolution of Kevin Smith dialogue would have gone if it continued on a unforced path. Yeah. yeah, It's all, all of his stuff just sounds so scripted and it just makes it that much harder for for the actors to deliver the lines naturally um but almost every conversation in this movie has has an element of of fun to it has some kind of pop culture reference i don't feel that they overdo the shitting on millennials thing because that can get overdone really quick um I think there's just the right amount in there. There's just the right amount of, hey, let's put this on TikTok or let's put this on Instagram. Just the right amount, and 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 not too much. What what was your favorite part of this movie? Just for you guys out there that don't know, this movie is all about the kind of satanic panic, satanic cult type situation with. Yeah, there's a a babysitter, and I heard the kid she's babysitting, and that's the first movie. So this one kind of goes down the next path. And Jimmy was mentioning some, some, uh, I guess, interesting uh, pop culture type references that might not age well. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things is that that uh, one of the characters wants to be an influencer. And as I as I will always say, I hope that that doesn't age well. Because that would mean they've all gone away. Yeah, that's true. But you know, it's it kind of follows down that path. There's you know more Satan cult things trying to do some stuff. Um, and really, I mean, some of the the over the top violence uh, is really where where I laughed. And in the f- they reference a lot of the crazy deaths in the first scene or in the first in the first movie early on in this movie, and it just reminds you of how the 
the villains died. Yeah. And they're and very well. They kind of revisit each mm-hmm. one in this movie. And uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm drawing a little bit of a blank cause I watched a lot of horror movies this week, but um, in the first movie, one guy gets basically thrown off of some stairs and gets impaled on a um, trophy thing through the neck. And then something lands on him. And uh, in this one, I, I said I laughed at it, but I'm trying to remember what actually happened. Was that this wasn't the one that got stuck in the rocks, right? No, that was Bella Thorne's. Yeah, Bella Thorne gets stuck, stuck in the rocks. This is, but something happens horribly to. That was head. funny as shit. She just kept shooting. Yeah. Oh God! But he, uh, this is uh, deer antlers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. On this one, yeah. And I was, and it was just Such basically a, through the same spot. It was just fun. So beautiful, Evil Dead nod. In yeah. There. Yeah. So that was like it was just those type of things that made me laugh. The uh the other thing that really caught my attention was just the fun little graphic overlays on the screen. Yes. I I enjoyed those a lot. They're very um think Zombieland think even even some Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. in there, which is yeah. uh, really what I just couldn't figure out earlier when I was watching it, but um, think if you've seen Jumanji where they, they pop open their stats or anything like that, that's, that happened here and there wasn't overdone. It was different every time there were some really funny flashbacks and, and to find out, although she is listed as starring in this film, B Samra weaving, you'll have to watch the movie for yourself to see if she actually shows up in it or if she just shows up in flashbacks. Yeah. Um, the flashbacks are really funny. They show how each member of the blood cult is, uh, how they come to find themselves in it. And those are great. They do these cutaways where they have the, I really like those flashbacks. They're, yeah. they're, uh, they're funny. And they're those, the, the villain characters are purposefully such stereotypes mm-hmm. that it's funny seeing, how they became the stereotypes and just gives just a little more insight to their character without breaking the mold of the movie. It doesn't get too serious. Uh, the, when they do the digital overlays that one point there's like an epic final battle between two characters and it basically becomes mortal Kombat. Yep. Which is great. Basically. That was a lot of fun. It was goofy. The first thing I watched right before that was the mortal Kombat episode of uh, high score too, which was funny. Sweet. The uh, the other thing that really stuck out was uh, the actress Jenny Ortega. She played Phoebe, who's like the new secondary lead. Yeah, and I and she was so like, I guess she's really eccentric at the beginning. She's the new girl in school. Uh, the main character is basically shunned because of the fact that he is a weirdo, and uh, you know he's and everyone thinks he murdered a bunch of people because of the first movie, and basically everything was cleaned up before. You know, so he, when he was like saying like, yeah, then this happened and there was a guy that never had a shirt on and this was going on and there was murders and whatever. They all just think he's insane now. Yeah. Um, it doesn't help that he wears a corduroy suit <laughs> to high school. A thing that you can never do in Florida unless you want to catch your crotch area on fire. Yes. I was running through all of the different terms I could use for crotch area. I went with crotch area. I didn't feel like saying scrotum on the podcast. I just no, you just did. Yeah. <laughs> whoops. Whoops. I'll put a I'll put a nickel into this this Welcome <laughs> to the Give Me Scrotum podcast. I will put a nickel into the scrotum jar. Two now. <laughs> you have one too? 
<laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, there was that, and just uh, she was really, really good, and she was um, she went from being just this exter- eccentric like loner type to being almost the heart of the thing of the the movie, which I liked a lot. Whenever she was on the screen, I mm-hmm. really enjoyed her story in this. Um, and there was also a snake part that gave me the willies. Uh, yep. I, yeah, I was, I was yeah. in bed watching this and I was like crawling up the back of the pillows. So ah, snakes don't really affect me that way. I'm pretty indifferent to them, but I could see how that would, because it's, it's pretty, oh God, you got to try and keep your mouth shut while that thing's slithering up your pant leg. I mean, that's yeah. pretty rough. I don't know anybody who would mm-hmm. uh, be able to keep their mouth shut. Yeah. Um, let's see. The, uh, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's just a fun movie. Yeah, a lot of fun. Over the top, completely over the top. Very aware that it's completely over the top. A lot of fun Terminator references, like I said earlier. Uh, a lot of goofy explosions. Now, is, the, is there a going to be gore. a third one? Because it, it seems like there could very well be a third one, and I'm on board. What I read was that G wanted to uh, make this a trilogy. And I think that was kind of dependent on how well Killer Queen did. And let me see, when you saw it, it was number one on Netflix. I think when I saw it, it was number eight. So it's done pretty well. And hopefully, hopefully we will get a third one full of over the top gore, exploding heads and exploding deer, flamethrowers. And actors that are making a name for themselves just. Sequences. Yeah, so I mean, Robbie Amell is completely on the top of this game right now. You hear a lot about Bella Thorne in the news, but she's funny, man. So um, check it out. Watch the first one first, though, Rob. And then watch part two. Do it. Well, I think that'll wrap up Babysitter and take us into another death-defying adventure with hashtag alive. Did both of you guys... Pound alive. Pound alive. Well, when did pound become hashtag? I don't don't know, but I blame the Kardashians. I'm so effing old because I actually remember it as pound sign. Anyway, it was released on uh, September 8th, 19... 1920. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> September 8th of 2020. Ahead of its time. Hell yeah. When it is pound alive. D- directed by Il Cho. Stars Ah In Yu, Sheen Hai Park, and Hyun Wook Lee. And you can see why I didn't want to do the beginning of this part. Mm. Boom. Because I would have said Hyun Wookie. <laughs> it would have been a problem. <laughs> you just did. I you know. said it anyway, and it is fantastic. I'm glad it's on recording. And I, and I know that's why, I, because I know I would have said it. I because I was forcing myself. I was going to spell it out phonetically, so I didn't. Hune um, Wookie for this episode. Yeah. Take a it shot is. every time we say scrotum. <laughs> that was one. Oh, there were many others, sir. Yeah. By the way, I went and got some rum. Good work. Good work. For the listeners out there, you're not going to know, but we had to record the babysitter section twice because of some technical issues. 
and Perfect Rob stepped away. Holders. Rob stepped away to reboot his computer. And Greg so, just started talking and about get scrotums. And I said that I don't want this podcast to be talking about scrotums. And it just kept going. Anyway. And you said scrotums, and I see right on the nose. So scrotums right on your nose. Correct. Let's talk about scrotums. Hashtag alive. Ah. So the synopsis of this movie is that the rapid spread of an unknown infection has left an entire city in ungovernable chaos. But one survivor remains alive in isolation. It is his story. Well, technically, it's not really his story, and he's technically not the one survivor, but, you know. And it's zombies. It's zombies. zombies. It's, it's, yeah. it's zombies. Dude, this, I gotta tell you, this movie totally reminded me of one of my favorite zombie movies, and that's 28 Days Later. Okay. All right. I get that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw another one in here. Um, Remind me of that French one. The Night Eats the World. Yes, absolutely, which we talked about on here. Eh, kind of mixed reactions to, but also so very much like the film Rombach, Berlin Undead, which I know Scott, one of our, our longtime listeners, he's a big fan of that movie. We need to do that movie at some point. We we do, man. I, I know we do, and it's... And it's Scott, like, we'll have you on when we do it, but... Yeah, absolutely. Um mm-hmm. But if if you're on the fence about this, for me, if you're looking at it going hashtag. For, all right. So let me give you some some kind of um, some explanation here. I hate when they try and and write social media shit into horror yep. movies. I agree. I fucking hate it. Um, talk about Blair even, Witch. Even the stuff that's actually scary, like, you know, the those text messages that come from like in the room or like the stuff there's, there's a few things like that where they made horror movies based around things like Facebook. Was was that movie where the girl was in the house and it was like being broadcast or something? Was that something similar or was that just like a newscaster? Yeah. You you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. That was, that was, there was one that was like a Facebook quarantine. I think it was called quarantine. Okay. So that was like, it was called quarantine. uh, That was a news broadcast. That wasn't like over social. That was wreck. Um, that wasn't like over it was, she was like a journalist that they wouldn't let her in. So she like went in there with her cameraman and, and did it there. W- w- the other one, I think you're talking about unfollowed or followed or something. No, no, I, I'm pretty sure the one no, I'm talking no, about, is you are quarantine. Greg's talking about, Oh, oh, oh gotcha, it was gotcha. like a Facebook. It was like unfollowed or friend request uh, or, unfollowed. That's what yeah. it was. So yeah. Uh, this one was not from that perspective but what i hate is when they're like they just force that okay this is current technology we're gonna force this in here somehow like when they updated blair witch and god love them i love adam wingard but the blair witch film the most recent one where they had kids piloting drones and shit like that i'm just like no like it doesn't work but in this one it did and uh, especially as for me, it did. And especially as we talk about it later, the whole hashtag alive thing makes so much more sense at the end of the film. Well, and I thought it was so clever. I I mean, yes and no, because I'm kind of wondering how long the infrastructure holds in place when something cataclysmic like this actually happens. Because 
the the fact that social media stayed up and that he still had internet access, I'm like, and he still had well, power. I mean, the water shut off, but he still had power. Really? So we could go on for hours about how things would happen. I'm sure. Um, power stayed on for a few days. It stayed on a lot longer than that. Power stayed on pretty much the whole movie. I don't think it was the whole movie. I'm pretty sure the power was still on when they went to that guy's apartment. Was it when he freaked out and smashed the TV? The TV was on. I think no, it wasn't. The the TV wasn't on at that point, but I think he still had power. Is what I'm saying. I I don't think they did. I I really don't think they had power for more than more than a week in this, and they were. They were in this like for like 30 days. The water cut off after I think four. Um, I'm which I'm I, just going to I'm just going to say that he had his phone for the entire movie and for it to cut off after seven days and then still be working 15 days later because we got into the 20s with this movie. There's no way that his phone made it that long without being recharged. No, for sure. Um now, if I remember correctly, we're talking about the end before we talk about the beginning. I think they say it was only 100,000 people that were infected. I think it was just that city and not like a worldwide thing. Uh, and this, they, is, this is coming from something I think I read while I was doing research where I, yeah. that, but I, I don't remember that necessarily from watching it, but they did say something where they were bringing people away. And I don't remember if there was only that many people infected or that many people that survived. I will say that I think they actually specifically noted when the power went out because I think the power went out when those explosions in the city happened. Oh, okay. Because you saw the rolling blackout at that point. Do you remember do you remember that the point I'm talking about where they had like the view of the city? Because that was one of the things I was like, wait a minute. Because it, at that point in the movie, they did this over overshot of the city. And they had like three explosions go off and then they had these rolling blackouts. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but when those explosions went off, there were still cars driving on the highway. I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Cause there were headlights moving up and down the highway. I was like, wait a minute here. Hold on. I think you did an overcity shot and you couldn't close down the highway. So there's still cars on the highway. Well, we know how people how well people listen to quarantine. So. Well, this is true, but yeah. that that was one of the things that I caught during the movie. I was like, mm, "No, I don't think it would be like that." <laughs> well, we've all we've all learned that now. So this is zombie movie, and I think the first thing that I mean, there's a million zombie movies, TV. Yeah, shows. holy shit! I just jumped right into the middle of the movie. I yeah, apologize. That's what okay. I've been drinking. It's- there's a bunch of zombie movies uh, out there, and I think the first thing all of us do is, is this an original take on a zombie movie? Is there something interesting that makes it not just another zombie movie? Um, and Jimmy, you're you're a resident expert. What do you think? What makes this different? Um, maybe the, the introduction of the, the social aspect of it, the social media aspect of it, the uh, maybe a, a skilled person with a drone. Uh, not a, that, not exactly a survival expert, nor does he just magically turn into one. He's kind of a dope, 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he he doesn't have a lot of common sense, but he kind of relies on uh, a person he discovers uh, across the way. Um, this is not a new concept. This is not nothing earth shattering in in the zombie um, genre, but it's it's a fun kind of updated twist on a, a Rombach Berlin Undead or a uh, Night Eats the World. To me, this is really a cross between the 28 Days Later zombies and actual zombies. Because I don't know if you noticed, but when people die, they don't come back. If they're bitten and have time to change, then they become zombies. It's mm-hmm. it's not it's not quite <sighs> I mean, th- that makes it sound a little bit more like a virus than anything else. Yeah. But it's okay. it's not it's not zombies in that when the people die. Because the if you remember the girl in the bed of the rock the climbers. Can, the, yes, that's the because that part freaked me out. I was like, she was she stop. was bitten on the neck, but there was nothing wrong with her brain. There was nothing wrong with her head. Basically, she was bitten on the neck. She died. And I'm I'm guessing she died before she had a chance to turn. So when you're dead, you're not reanimated. But if you're infected, you, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah. So you know what? I'm full of crap because it's totally like 28 days later. <laughs> no, it's uh, a wow. That, that, I just talked myself into it. That was a great sequence in general. He goes to another apartment to grab that like that hiking gear and stuff, mm-hmm. and that was like the one big jump scare that got me. And I was like, dude, get out of there. You're making it like he's making all this noise he's, and stuff. And I'm like, there's this person in a bed. And he kind of looked over at her. And he's then trying he got, not to, but he's yeah. kind of a dope. You know, he's kind of a yeah. dope. He's yep. just yeah. a nerdy gamer, dude. One thing I couldn't understand even after the um, the uh, the water was shut off and wherever the power is shut off, which I, I guess this doesn't really require power to do, but his hair stayed the same color the whole time. And it was like 20 some odd days. Like no roots showing or anything. I mean, look, yeah. his hair wasn't that color because they kept showing the picture of him and his family. And and this is just one of those weird things that I, it just kind of, I was like, at some point, it, would start it to grow might out. start to grow out a little bit, which was. Well, when they, yeah. when they show that he's a dope early on, when he, he wakes up, his family's already gone to work and they've like, you know, there's like food left out for him and stuff like that. And he's like a grown ass kid. But so being a dope saved his life because, because he didn't want to leave the house anyway. Was, right. Yeah. Had he gone to the grocery when he was supposed to, he'd have been out in that when everything went down. Mm-hmm. My favorite part of any zombie movie is always like the first strike when there's like everyone frantically trying to pull out of parking sp- spots and explosions happening as people just mm-hmm. try to drive. Mm-hmm. Like they lose and, their damn minds and little kids killing their parents. Yeah, there was that. That was that was actually really well shot. I yeah, thought, it was. I thought so as well, yeah. Yeah, it was a good scene. Um, there was uh, another scene with a uh, female police officer running through the street. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she drops a, a weapon that kind of becomes kind of a focal point for the rest of the movie. It's uh, It's kind of like, man, if we could only get that we'd be a little better off, which I mean a little. Yeah. But I thought at that point, okay, here's where this movie is going to lose me because although she 
is being dragged away by zombies, like not escapable at all. I'm like, he's going to run down there and try and do something. But he couldn't. And so he didn't. So he didn't. And that's where I think the movie took on a bit more of a serious tone. Now, I will say that later in the movie, I was like, no effing way. Because that same police officer is fumbling with her gun to reload it. She drops her bullets, scoops up a couple of them and loads them into the chamber. Somehow she managed to load all six. No, there were no. not that many damn bullets. They, there was, they there was no way in hell okay, that, she re, that she reloaded yeah. that gun with all six shots. No, no way in hell she reloaded that gun with all six shots. Yeah, they get the gun, they pop off a couple of shots. I'm like, okay, that's it. And then they keep going. I'm like, huh? Now, now to their credit, they did keep track because when they started firing the gun, they did only get five shots out of it because she fired one of them. The cop fired one of them and they still only got five shots out of it. I kept track. She only got five, they only got five shots out of it, but there is no way in hell that she reloaded all six shots into that gun. Eventually, it's not just this guy and people that he sees outside. Um, well, I guess technically he sees her outside, but there is a, another character that gets introduced, and it is a, a girl that lives across the way in these giant high rise apartments. And I like they, her. Yeah, they have like a little communication back and forth. There's some food sent back and forth. Uh, there's a laser involved uh, and a drone involved. And. A pretty interesting, suspenseful action sequence, which I kind of liked. And I actually watched it twice because I was like, well, is that doable? And it was a zombie climbing up a rope. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To try to get to her at her other apartment. And the guy realizes it and it's below her. So she doesn't really see it because she's looking across the way. Mm -hmm. And he, of course, um, tries to knock the zombie off with the drone. And there's a whole there's a whole thing where the, the rope had been tied to a table and the table goes flying as the zombie is climbing and it's like smacks into her. So she's knocked out. Yeah. The table was, knocks her out. And she, it was suspenseful, man. It was, I was like, Whoa. I mean, I, I figured that she, it'd be okay. Cause you haven't really gotten to know who she was. Um, but then again, it's a Korean film and you don't, and those have different sensibilities than, mm -hmm. than our film. So killing the only other character might be just a different, you know, way of shocking the viewer, you know, something you're not used to here. Cause most of the movies you, most of the movies we watch here, we can be like, oh, this is the beginning, middle, and end, and whatever. But I thought that I liked that sequence a lot. And it actually made me like the character before I really even got to know the character. I, I, I enjoyed the interaction that they had. I thought it was very well done. The, the passing of the walkie-talkies between the two of them so that they could continue mm -hmm. to talk develop a relationship and then they then they kind of you know meet meet up and make a break for what they think is an unoccupied unoccupied floor basically mm. but the that that run from the zombies was was fairly harrowing and I thought it was actually really well shot very suspenseful the the suspense scenes in this movie I thought were very well done they were believable to an extent that run through the courtyard was questionable. Um, specifically, I think when she got when she got trapped in the car, mm -hmm. I was like, eh, 
I think she took a little bit too long. She was probably zombie chow at that point, but you know, I'll let it go. Um, cause I enjoyed the entire sequence. I thought it was very good. And she's kind of a badass. He's like, okay, I'll go down on one, two. And she's already on the ground running. I was like, hell yeah, bitch, you go. <laughs> and, um, and then just the, uh, the, the run through and, you know, for the first like 30 seconds, she's down there by herself and she's getting attacked. I'm like, where the hell is this guy? What is he doing? And, you know, he shows up and helps her out and then they get up and, and they make it to the eighth floor, obviously. And, and then they introduce the, the next, uh, hurdle, I guess, if you want to call it. And I, I'm still trying to figure out how it, how it was actually introduced. You know what What's I'm talking that? about? Mm-mm. The drug. Yeah. Because they all drank the same water. So I don't oh, think yeah, it yeah. was the water. The food was in sealed cans. Mm-hmm. So I'm not quite sure how he dosed them. Was there tea? Oh my God. Spoiler alert, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you haven't, we haven't really revealed what his intentions were. Um, I don't know. Not not certain on that. Uh, the emergency power did stay on in this. But I, I just read a, a blurb about it. The emergency power did stay on, though, maybe not everywhere. Because mm-hmm. uh, he, he does go into that one apartment and everything. And the fridge is spoiled. Except for the, the peanut butter. I guess mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Nutella, which he was so excited to see that Nutella. There was there were, well, the, there were noises. Do the it. Nutella was the Nutella was shelf stable. That so was not, in the the other bedroom, but yeah, it I'm was just, it was in a package. I'm not I'm not concerned. I about don't the Nutella. The no, I'm I'm just saying I don't go bananas for Nutella. Like like what about Nutella with bananas? Do, I don't it doesn't do it. What me. what about if you were starving? I'd eat dog about, food first. What about if it was smeared you across would, Rob's chest? You would die, by the way. You know that dog food has a whole bunch of stuff to help them digest that humans can't digest, and you would end up in the hospital. Or actually, since there was no hospital, you'd end up dead. I'd I would not suggest feces. eating dog food because it has bone meal in it, and you can't digest that, and it would just clog up your intestines. There you go. Now, See, our podcast is teaching people things. In fact, I know there was a hazing ritual with a firefighter who was forced to eat dog food that ended up in the hospital because it had bone meal in it and he couldn't digest it and it clogged his intestines. Rob, did you take care of this firefighter? I did not, but I did hear the story. Huh. Interesting. Anyway, let's. So there is, of course, yeah, you know, every zombie movie, TV show, book has to have that survivor that maybe isn't as nice as he lets on. Walking Dead. Yeah, that that yeah, that happens here as well. And it's um so it's yeah things start off too good to be true, so I kinda got that feeling as well. A pretty intricate little system of ropes and pulleys there for uh, mm. for a little bit of a, a governor situation in Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. Um But actually uh, it's like that in, in it, they had one in twenty eight days later also. Yeah, they had the uh, the guy that was tied up in the in the I I'll call it the laundry alley because they had like sheets and stuff hanging up in front of him. But mm-hmm. haven't seen that movie in a while either. Got to do that. 
It was at the it was at the the faux military base. They had a guy that had been infected. Yeah. But you know, this is it's always interesting to see foreign films taking on what is mostly an Americanized genre, and I like it. You know, I like seeing things differently. And I enjoyed this. Did I think it broke any, you know, uh, what word am I looking for here? Broke any genre standards? No. But did I have a great time watching it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I I really feel like this is very much in the vein of 28 Days Later, which which incidentally is my favorite zombie movie. I think 28 Days Later has done the, the zombie genre very much justice. He's totally drinking. He said that twice now. Very More believable. Twice. Yeah, very <laughs> believable. And and this really kind of follows in that same vein. Awesome. I think that takes us through our episode. Um, you know, it's always that'll cool take us through side A of our episode. As an asshat. You know, what's interesting is you when we watch various things throughout the week, there's always that kind of thought in the back of your head is like, are we gonna cover this or not? Um, these were the two things I watched. And was like, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be excited about this Pound movie. But it made it to the episode. Pound Alive. Uh, yes. I will pound that alive. Yeah. So next week on Monday, we are going to talk about a thing. It is a movie called Cherry 2000. Something else that got pound. Wait, what? <laughs> Maybe he shouldn't be drinking rum. Uh, we're going to talk about a movie called Cherry 2000. I am. I watched this movie because of a past guest and a friend of the show uh, from ACP Pro. He was he put up a picture on his Instagram page, and I'm like, I have never heard of this movie. The poster looked ridiculous. So we are going to talk about this futuristic movie that took place what what year is it supposed to take place? Three years ago, 2017. <laughs> yes, the futuristic wasteland of 2017. Apparently, they were off by three years. But we're going to talk about that on Monday. So uh, who's doing contact? I believe who did whoever has the 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 way I have it set up is whoever had the has the movie next week does the contact information. I know that's why I was going to do the spoiler, but then you made uh, Jimmy do the spoiler. Uh, sorry, Rob, do the someone do the contact information. <laughs> All someone right, guys. better than me. So if you want to email us and berate Greg for his uh, inability to get his own outline correct, you can you can re- find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod, or you can email us directly, give me five podcast at gmail.com. Or you can just go straight to our website. Guess what the address is? It's give me five podcast dot com baby that's right and please leave us a review on itunes whatever podcast app you're using it really helps us stand out and helps other people find us and just brings us to more people gets us in other people's faces or ear holes yeah gets us in other people's ear holes and boo holes yeah i'll get in your boo wait um and (laughs) we've got a shop so if you're looking for any of that cool Give Me Five podcast swag, we do have a couple of really great designs now for t-shirts. We've got the Blockbuster logo as well as the G.I. Joe logo. You can find all of that on GiveMeFivePodcast.Threadless.com. You can also find a link through our website. Once again, that website is GiveMeFivePodcast.com. And thanks for listening. 
Good morning, good afternoon, and register to vote.